Hello and welcome to the Raptors Ration Podcast for Sports Def. I'm Nani the Fan. I'm your host, William Lou, speaking to you after the Raptors lose by a score of 126 to 119 against the Utah Jazz. Um, wow. Uh, they, they find new ways to disappoint you. This time, losing the fourth quarter by a score of 41 to 21. Um, this is a game where the Raptors were in control the entire way. They came out strong. Scotty Barnes was awesome in the first quarter. Awesome throughout. Finishes with 32, 14, and 7. Hits four threes. Goes perfect on the foul line. Shoots above 50% overall. Doesn't matter somehow. Um, Raptors up 17 as late as the third quarter. Doesn't matter somehow. Uh, fourth quarter, they just completely fall apart. And, um, yeah, I mean, obviously the Jazz have some lethal scorers. Like Jordan Clarkson is super aggressive, and he got on a rhythm. And, um, you know, you could look at, okay, Raptors didn't have the right rotation in. You know, they put a lot of bench players out to start the fourth quarter. I mean, this is what they do every game. They never change the starting lineup. Um, they might try to shuffle some things in between, like Darko, congratulations on trying a zone. Congratulations on trying, um, you know, Chris Boucher over Otto Porter. Um, congratulations on pump faking the idea of potentially playing the two-way call-up Jonte Porter, uh, which he did kind of tease that idea after Blake Murphy brought it up to him that Jonte got called up after he had a nice showcase in the G League. Um, you know, is he going to feature? Darko was kind of coy, almost teasing as if he was going to play. I mean, he wasn't going to play, and also it wouldn't have mattered. Like, it. I think the frustrating thing after a game like this is just like, it's just it's just not an entertaining product no more. Like, that's the biggest thing. Like, yes, the Raptors will still have people show up because you need entertainment in the city, and Toronto is such a big city um, that people will come to see an NBA team. Right. Even if it's just to see the opposing NBA team, people will still come for the crowd. People will still come for the experience um, and they will still come for that. Um, You know, there's also obviously a a lagging kind of effect in terms of, you know, people like the Raptors. People have felt good about the Raptors. This has been a winning program for a decade. They won a championship. You know, people still associate the Raptors as a winning product. But right now, the Raptors are horrible to watch, especially in person. But I'm sure on TV as well, they're horrible to watch. And, and, like, at the end of the day, it's an entertainment product, right? Like, it's supposed to be an entertainment product. And this team is just dreadful to watch. They don't play good basketball. They don't have entertaining offensive players. I mean, like, Jordan Clarkson would be, you know, the most talented scorer on the Raptors. Just, like, pure scoring bag-wise. Like, I'm not saying he'd be more efficient. He might score a higher volume than these the other guys. I'm just saying in terms of just, like, skill-wise, he would be the most talented scorer on the Raptors. And that's unbelievable when you really think about it sometimes because it's like like that's just a six man for a team that's like you know now six games under 500 like that's tough that's really tough that Clarkson would be the best scorer um on on either side and that's what it was in the fourth quarter Clarkson was 16 of his 30 points in the fourth quarter just completely going off torching the Raptors hitting buzzer beaters hitting dagger corner threes turning to the bench you know giving the Jazz a 10 point advantage just taking the heart out of the Raptors nobody stepping up to stop him and honestly the scheme doesn't really set up well to stop guys like that somehow because the Raptors last year went from double teaming everybody and I'm not sure the Raptors would have double teamed Jordan Clarkson even last year but 
just essentially the Raptors' defensive strategy the last couple of years has been let's try to force anybody but their top options to beat us. And sometimes if we leave those guys open, they might get hot and they, they might burn us. You just kind of live with that. Well, now you have the opposite reality where, you know what, coming into this game, even a novice NBA fan will tell you that the top two options are Laurie Markkinen and are Jordan Clarkson. And you know what? Look at the shot distribution. Markkinen shoots 21 times. Clarkson shoots 22 times. Nobody else even shoots more than 11. That's Sexton and, and Chris Dunn, who are the starting backcourt for Utah, who, by the way, is banged up. They don't even have their full roster tonight, and they still look like they have more scoring capacity. They still have more scoring capacity, quite frankly. Um, and you did nothing to stop their top guys. I mean, marketing with 30, Clarkson with 30. Like, where did you stop them? Fourth quarter, those guys were leading the way. They got, honestly, like, I'm I'm not jealous of Utah's talent necessarily because like this is not like some end goal to get to, but I just want to acknowledge the idea that like Utah tore down their team like they fully rebuilt their team at the beginning of last season. They said, you know what, this whole thing with Rudy Gobert, Donovan Mitchell, yes, we win fifty plus games every year, but you know what, this team is capped out. Uh, it's literally capped out in terms of the finances, but it's also capped out in terms of what they can do in a postseason setting. We need to change up this group, and we are going to bring in new management, which they brought in with Danny Ainge. They bring in new management, they bring in a new coach, and they change it up. They flip it. They tear it from the top down. And they get multiple pieces for their star players when those star players had value when they were on winning programs and when they had multiple years on their contracts. And look what they got back. The Rudy Gobert trade, guess what? You know, congratulations to Minnesota. It's working out for you guys now. Finally, uh, they become a winning product. So congratulations to them. I'm sure they're not going to trade, you know, that, you know, especially because Rudy Gobert is playing like a defensive player of the year candidate. So congratulations to them. But I'm sure Utah is still thrilled with the fact that they have, what, five picks out of that, you know, including some players who are, you know, lottery picks that were able to contribute to the roster right now, like an Ochai Obaji. Actually, no, Obaji they got from, uh, Cleveland. That was the other deal that they made for Donovan Mitchell, and they've got a guy like Laurie Markkinen. Uh, they got you know uh, Sexton, who whatever Sexton is just is fine, but like honestly would be the best best guard for the Raptors. Like honestly, Sexton would be you know right up there for the Raptors. Um, and yeah, they they, they get a Baji, they get extra picks, they flip it around, and even after tearing it down, even after flipping it around. They still have talent on paper where even with some injuries, they still have more options than the Raptors. Like, if that's, not a, if that's not a damning indictment of the managing of this team, which, by the way, if the Raptors were to make a rebuilding team, uh, trade, which, honestly, at this point, they need to do. Like, they need to tear this thing down, and I'll get to that in a second. But even if they do, they weren't in the position that Utah was in. They didn't have Donovan Mitchell on a multi-year deal come off a winning season ready to move. They didn't have Rudy Gobert on multiple years getting ready to be traded, uh, coming off of huge accolades like defensive player of their year accolades and also from a winning program with years of control. They have expiring players on a losing team who are then trying to now be moved for full value. And I know Masai is going to hate, you know, making position like trades from a position of bad leverage or whatever. But like. I mean, you also orchestrated this. Like, you know, it's not like circumstances have screwed you. You make the circumstances. You make the roster and look at the roster. Like, 
are the Raptors capable of playing some good basketball? Sure. There's no doubt. They were up 17. They were able to play through their bigs. Uh, Scotty was able to get downhill. Pascal had an, an off night tonight. You know, had a lot of shots roll off, but ultimately not a not a terrible game. You know, OG had his moments, had a nice run in the second quarter where he caught two breakaway layups uh, and, 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 and a wing three and, and, and was doing some good things defensively at certain times. But, like, that's about it. That's about it. You know, Gary's hitting the threes well again. I'm going to give him some credit, although his stat line is always hilarious because it literally just six, 16 and then zeros across the board. 16 zeros. 16, no rebounds, no assists, one steal, no blocks, uh, minus 10, 28 minutes. Um, still close the game for the Raptors. You know, honestly, like, I don't have an issue with Gary. He was making some shots. I'm happy for him. Um, you know, the, if, honestly, if Gary wasn't on this team, the teams would zone the Raptors for the full 48 minutes. Like, I feel like the Raptors will lose to Syracuse. <laughs> you know, like, that's how bad the Raptors are against the zone, uh, especially because they don't have shooting. The Raptors, by the way, shooting tonight, honestly, close enough. Like, you know what? If the Raptors won, they, you know, they, they, they would have given me that free fries situation because they had 13 for 32 from three. That's 41%. That's pretty damn good. Can't even say it was a three-point shooting, but even on a night where the Raptors are good from three, the opposing team just zones up against the Raptors. They neutralize what they can what they, what they can do. Their second unit, the Raptors' second unit, has no idea how to play against the zone, like absolutely no idea how to play against the zone. They haven't had an idea how to play against the zone for multiple years to the point where this is like three years running where the opposing teams are just zoning up against the Raptors. Nick Nurse obviously did a lot of it because Nick is creative. Um you know, but like, yeah, I mean, you're seeing it again here. Utah zones up against the Raptors. Raptors have no chance. Even when they get into the middle, they can't finish around Walker Kessler, who, by the way, in terms of Raptors connections, you know, you know, the Raptors could have potentially picked a guy like Walker Kessler if they didn't trade down in the draft preemptively to get Thad Young, who like at this point, I mean, he's a veteran. Obviously, he's a nice voice. You see him leading a lot of the huddles, all that kind of stuff. Like, fine, man. But who trades down in the draft for an assistant coach? You know, I'm not trying to insult him, but I'm just saying the Raptors use him like an assistant coach. So who trades up, like who trades down spots in the draft to do that? And who knows, maybe the Raptors wouldn't have taken Walker Kessler anyway. But Walker Kessler, even though he's having a bit of a sophomore slump this year, you know, for the third time since he's been drafted, has come in and made a huge impact for Utah as they flip the game against the Raptors. By the way, this is the third time the Raptors have blown it against Utah as well. So it's, uh, it, it's, it's really tough. But, yeah, I mean... The character of this team, like, I, I, I don't want to talk about the players in a negative way because I don't want to – it's not about character assassination. A lot of these guys are really nice. Um, you know, they're, they're good people. They've been good to me. It's not really, like, something where, you know, I'm going to comment on their personalities or their characters, especially not in public. That's not for me to do. Um, but, like, let's just talk about the basketball portion of this. Like, where is the leadership on this team? When things go bad, who gets you a tough bucket to stop the run? Who gives you that huge stop? Who, who like, you know, injects this team with energy, with, with some confidence, the way Jordan Clarkson was, okay, we're down the whole game. Watch this. I'm going to score. I'm going to score. I'm going to score. And until the point where we're up 10, and I'm going to turn to my bench and a high five. What have you seen the Raptors, like, you know, have some celebration moments like that? Like, they don't. They don't. Even when they celebrate, they're alone. Like, it's like, oh, Scotty has a breakaway dunk. He's going to look back, wait for the other team to catch up, and then dunk the ball in their face. Like, that's alone. Like, no one else is like, yeah, let's go. Like, let's turn around. Like, no, they don't really have that kind of character, you know. And, and I hate that. I, honestly, I hate that Patrick Beverly was right. Like, for some reason, Patrick Beverly has just taken after every time the Sixers beat the Raptors, which is every time now, because uh, the Raptors have no chance to beat the Philadelphia now. Um, but 
after every one of those losses, he just goes, oh, yeah, like I said, no dogs. And, like, honestly, obviously it's annoying. Like, I don't like my team getting called out like this. But also he's right. I hate that he's right. Where was the dog in the Raptors here in the fourth quarter, man? Like, you led this game the whole way. You're at home. You desperately need a win. You're playing against a team that's a little bit banged up, um, a team that's not a good road team. They're, what, 3-13 and 13 away. Like, you need to take this. You are in control the whole game, and you just get, have no answers, no answers. And honestly, I'm beginning to think that, like, you can't expect answers from the players. Like, there's not a player on this team that's going to suddenly play a ton better uh, and that's going to ch- suddenly take charge of this team and will them forward. They don't have that type of character. Scotty can do it for times, for sure. Pascal can do it a little bit less, but also sometimes. That's about it. And, like, they don't do it consistently enough every single game where they lead the team the whole entire way. Plus, two guys is not the team, you know? So, you know, I appreciate some of their efforts, but, like, that's ultimately not enough. Um, there's not anybody else on the team that's, like, quote-unquote going to step up and change this whole thing. I mean, you look at look at the rest of the guys. OG has been down a couple of games, comes back today, 19 points. I was supposed as a bounce-back performance. It's just slightly better than his season average, but he did have a nice run there. Doesn't create his own offense, so he can't really have, outside of, like, some big stops, I suppose, like, he can't really have some kind of thing where he dictates play and he takes over and, and just carries the team forward. I mean, I've watched OG for his entire career with the Raptors. There's not been, like maybe one or twice, and I don't even know what those games are off the top of my head, but maybe once or twice he's, like, carried the Raptors even for five minutes at a, at a time, right? So you can't expect it from OG. Jakob has rejoined the team, and, like, this is the third time in four games, the last four games that he's been benched. You know, Darko talked about, okay, I'm going to have a talk with Jakob. He's a very good player. We're going to get some better things out of him. Okay, let's see that in action. Well, against this in, in the Sixers game, they found him a little bit more often. They were able to get him open, and they were, he was able to score. This game doesn't get involved much, and also when he's involved, so many times guys just play right through him. Like, it just – it's like contested rebounds. Is he going to sky over everybody to get the rebound and, like, a loud rebound, like a loud bismarck Bielmo rebound the way he was doing it in 2016 in the playoffs? Like, no. It's like, okay, the ball falls into his hands or, like, you know, maybe there's no second jump with him. There's barely a first jump. Um, and even in terms of contesting shots and blocking shots, it doesn't happen that often, to be honest, uh, to, to have a, any sort of, like, sustained effect, honestly, against the other team. They're not changing their team to, to play around Jakob Pertl. So there's that. There's also he can't close a lot of games. Like, you, you saw that, uh, you know, against the, 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 the Hornets, he, he reportedly couldn't close that game because, like, well, they were like, well, they played a lot on the perimeter, so we can't really have him out there against perimeter players. I mean, first off, I don't want to be hearing that you can't play out there when it's the freaking Charlotte Hornets. You, you know, like, honestly, Masai called this guy a championship piece, like, straight face to the media, whether he believed it or not, whether it was a lie or not, he still said on record that this is a championship piece, this is a top 10 center in the league, that's why we went out and got him last year, even though we were losing, and, and fully in position to tank. No, instead, we're going to now make sure we can't tank in future seasons to get Jakob Pertl, but now he can't play against the Hornets to close games. He can't play against the Denver Nuggets, which is like, honestly, that's a center. That's like the center that touches the ball the most in the league in Nikola Jokic with size, obviously, MVP and everything like that. You know what? Championship piece versus championship MVP, he can't play on the floor. He can't play in the fourth quarter. Okay, so then he comes back, plays more against, uh, you know, Sixers, maybe looks a bit more in form. This game doesn't play in the fourth quarter again. Like, so many games you can't play him. And that's tough. That is tough because there's not really a replacement for him. 
Dennis Schroeder, his usage does come down, and it has come down here overall. I mean, fourth quarter, he still has his moments and, and definitely annoy people, and they sort of, like, you know, really stick out. But, like, 11 points, 4 of 9 shooting, some of the mistakes, you know, like, they again, they stick out. But his usage is coming down. The thing is, it's like we're largely talking about a guy who, you know, is kind of a career backup um, has obviously played some minutes in the starting lineup. That's not. I'm not saying that that's not – like, he started a lot against the Lakers, for example, last year. But, like, you know, in terms of how you would rank starting point guards in the league, you know, he would not be in the top 20. Um, and, look, he's not supposed to be your savior. And yet he tried being the savior. It didn't really work out. Everyone's already mad at him. The skill set is not a good fit with the current starting group. Um, I would love to see the, 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 the coaches actually try to change this. It doesn't seem like they have the answers either, though. That's the thing. It doesn't seem like they have the answers either because it's not like, okay, the Raptors are going to play a different way defensively. They're going to play a different way offensively. They're going to change the rotation or they're going to s- squeeze the rotation. They're not refuse, they refuse to do any of that. So they're just going to run the same formula over and over again, even though it loses all the time. It, it's just nasty to see. But, I mean, look, honestly, at this point, what do you have to lose? Try something different. Try something different. And if Darko has such a strong relationship with Dennis, and he does, because Dennis has come on the show and explained it so many times to us how strong a relationship him and Darko have, the history going back many years, they go back a long way, then try to have that conversation and that trust to be like, look, you know what? I'm not trying to screw you here. We just need to do something different. Let's see if Gary, who's obviously hitting the threes better now, let's see if he can bring some spacing. And, of course, if we shift our, a lot of our offense towards, you know, our big wings, Scotty and Pascal, maybe that will flip things around. Maybe that will do that. And, like, the explanation there given is just like, oh, it might affect the rest of the rotation. It might shrink the rest of the rotation. Oh, I'm sorry. If we shrink, like, what, Gary? Like, whose minutes, man? Malachi's minutes, 14 minutes tonight, you know, had no impact on this game. Precious Achua's minutes, like, who are we shrinking in the minutes-wise? Like, I think we can afford to do that, to be honest, because this team just isn't really, like, chock full of productive players. But you're not seeing a different way of playing from the Raptors. You might see, like, some marginal differences. Like, I'll give Darko credit for using some zones in this one. I'll give him some credit, I suppose, in terms of trying out a different rotation player, although it's just Chris. Like, the Chris has been in the rotation. He just sometimes randomly doesn't play. No explanation. Um, but the lineups still look kind of similar. Like, it's still a lot of, like, Scotty plus bench. Those lineups can really easily crater, and they cratered to the start of the fourth quarter, got the Jazz really going. Raptors got nothing offense in, in return for that. Like, I don't even know, man. Like, it's, it, it's annoying. But my point is, I don't think the coaching staff has the answers. I don't think the players have the answers because, again, there's no player on the Raptors that you would say will suddenly turn it around and they'll just change the fortunes of this game. That is not going to happen, right? There's no, there's no untapped thing with the Raptors. Like, this is just who they are. That's just kind of not enough from the talent perspective, which just leaves the front office. They are the only ones who have any chance of salvaging this roster this season and also long term. Because this team is not full of prospects. This team is not um, set up long-term because they have three of their top six rotation players walking into free agency. And you know what? This is their last chance, right? This is in Utah when they had, you know, the foresight to say, you know what, it's a winning team, but we need to break it up and rebuild for the future. And who knows how long it will take. Utah has been a losing team since then. Um, But, like, they have lots of pieces ready in place for the future. They have lots of future pieces who are going to be drafted eventually and become actualized pieces of the rotation. Raptors don't have that. The Raptors are actually in a pick deficit thanks to the Jakob trade. And... The only way of getting out of this is moving out the pieces. Like, if the Raptors are playing five-card poker, they need to discard four cards. Like, Scotty Barnes, you're keeping Scotty. Everyone else, please find a good deal, get as many prospects in here as possible, try to get as many picks as possible, and just move on from this group. 
Like, it just does not work together. Like, I don't want to point fingers at this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy. It's not that. I'm pointing fingers only at the front office. And honestly, I mean, look, I, I, the coaching annoys me, but I also sympathize with Darko. Like, there's not that many options. He has nine playable players every single night. He tried a different version of that nine. Didn't work. Like, what is, he's not going to do anything differently. Those nine guys are just the nine guys. Okay? So, whatever. I, I, I have some annoyances with Darko, but whatever. That's going to happen with any coach, I suppose. The only person who can change this is the front office. It, it, they need to find a different way to construct this roster. They need to do it long term because, like, I don't, I don't know. The rest of this roster, the rest of the season might just be a wash. Like, you, you probably just have to eat a loss on that Jakob thing. You might just have to eat a loss. Unfortunately, the pick is only top six protected, right? So it's going to be really difficult to be anything worse than, like, the fourth worst team in the league right now because you have three teams in Detroit who have now lost 26 straight games in a row now after losing to Brooklyn tonight. Um, you know, you have Washington, you have, uh, you know, San Antonio. You can't get worse than those teams, even with the roster as is. But, you know, if you're trying to try to tank to keep your pick, which, by the way, I th- the whole idea of trading out of this pick was because this year's draft is, was trash. So, you know, it would be then hilarious to say, well, I think this draft is trash, but then I also want to discard my whole season to then try to hold on to this pick in this trash draft. But if they want to do that, they probably have to do it for three years because the pick protections remain bad for three straight years. So, like, you have to ask yourself, okay, are you going to tank for three years? When are you going to convey this pick finally? Because if you do convey this pick in a talented draft like next year's draft, like, you know, that's going to look that's going to look really, really tough. Um, but versus on the flip side, okay, if you want to, like, try to stick it out for the three years where this thing, this, this uh, first-round pick that you traded for Jakob, are you going to throw away three years of Scotty entering his prime? Just to, just to keep that pick. So there's no great options. But listen, a loss might just be a loss. The thing is, you have other players that are walking into expiring situations, and you just need to deal with it. Like, I'm sorry, but like, it, trading one of these guys is not enough. Trade whoever has value, except for Scotty, please move them so that we can get some future pieces in here to, who can play whatever system Darko wants to play, probably more shooting, more guards. Honestly, like, just... Do something, please. I, and, I, and I get it. It's not so easy as just, like, you do something. Because, obviously, after you lose games like this, executives are going to call Masai and be like, you know, well, my offer just got a little bit worse because your leverage got a little bit worse. And that's going to make Masai want to do deals less. But, at a, at, honestly, like, just find a way out of this. That's why the front office is paid so heavily. Because, you know what? There is that belief. There is that faith because it did it once. Well, now this roster is in a really bad place. This roster is in a really, really bad place. Scotty, you can feel good about long term. The rest of the team, you just do not know about. And, like, look, that's a lot to figure out, especially without all their assets available. But you need to find some way to change this. Because at the end of the day, like I said at the start, this is not an entertaining product. It's not an entertaining product to attend. It's not an entertaining product to watch on TV. It's not an entertaining product to talk about. Like, it's even affecting the content, I think, honestly. And that's something that's ultimately my responsibility um, as a content creator. But, like, there's nothing good to say about this team. I feel like I'm just ripping them every single day, and I hate that. And I'm trying to find a different way to talk about it or be lighter or trying to find more creative ways to talk about it without trying to, like, avoid the issue. Like, you know, we're, we're trying different approaches, but... It's just not entertaining. Nobody is here for this. Nobody is here for this. And it's such a shame because obviously we had set such high standards. We had such a great product for such a long time. We were so spoiled. We, I knew at the time when we were in, in the golden ages, and I really tried to appreciate it as much as possible because the other shoe was going to drop. I just didn't think it would drop to this degree with this current management group, with this roster to this degree. But you have to be realistic and you have to face facts. And, like, 
this thing just does not work. They don't have it together. I mean, you can't if you if you can't protect a 17 point lead at home after you badly needed against a Utah Jazz without the full roster. Who can you protect it against? Like, what are we trying to do with this roster? Like, what is even there to salvage? Is this team going to flip it around? Is there some untapped potential behind anybody else other than Scotty and potentially some of the super young guys um, to do something? No, I don't even know. Like, I don't even know who's going to start for the Raptors next season, let alone, like, next next two months, even after the trade deadline. But just let's just hope it's something different because this current thing just is not it. Like, it's to the point where I want to do a slander pod on just the Raptors. You know, and I would have done one today, except Assad is actually busy, the Snyder expert, because it's the holidays. But he did tell me that if the Raptors lose against the Pistons, which, by the way, the Pistons losing streak is still intact, and the Raptors have the chance to um, either ex- like give them the all-time worst losing streak at, 30, uh, at 29 or snap it uh, and, 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 you know, finally hand out free wing stop to this greater city of Detroit. Um, yeah, he will come on then. But honestly, like, I'm even at the point where I want to do a slander pod for my own team. Like, that's historic, man. We, we were at a point where, like, Raptors come up with, like, huge unexpected wins, 30-point comebacks, you know, holding a beat at zero points. These were the slander pods that we used to do. And now we're doing them for the roster because the team is so uninspiring. Like, that's just so sad, man. It's just so sad. And uh, whatever, I'll get over it. <laughs> but, you know, this team just is not it, you know. And I, and I hate to say this because a lot of the guys are good guys, but... Like, damn, damn, this thing is unwatchable. So thanks everyone for listening. Uh, no stars from tonight's performance. You know, you know, whatever. Gerald Henderson, if you want one, uh, I suppose Jordan Clarkson. But, yeah, I mean, uh, my, I guess the last thing I wanted to say is just I, I saw, like, uh, this is a total tone change, but I saw a lot of people wishing me happy birthday, um, and I really, really appreciate that. I, I felt a lot of love uh, on my birthday, and a lot of that was from, you know, the, the audience of this show. So, just want to say from the bottom of my heart, I appreciate that. Thank you for sticking with the show. I've been even seeing some criticism of the show recently, which is, you know, obviously I think it's, it's, it's warranted. I, I, I love seeing feedback. Um, and I, I see a lot of discussions of the show. That's, I think to me that shows obviously that the show is growing. But also I see that, like, people have different viewpoints and variations on the show. I've seen some of the criticism as well. Uh, a lot of it on Reddit. Um, you know, things like, you know, Will's not analyzing the game. Will's being too emotional about the game. Um, you know, this and that. Look, I, I, I'm trying to take that in, you know, and, um, you know, I think that if we were to come in and just break down, my opinion is just if we were to come in and break down the game as, like, you know, plainly as possible or at least, like, as just, like, straightforward play-by-play, what happened wrong here, what happened wrong here, like, it would be a pretty bad show, um, if that's my opinion. But, like, still, I, I totally get it. Like, I, I think people want to hear – I guess, more serious breakdowns. I think people are maybe finding it annoying. I see some people even say it's unprofessional for me to, you know, uh, emote about the team or even reveal certain things I've heard about the team. Uh, Honestly, that's just really, I guess, everyone's kind of taste and everyone's discretion, but I just want to acknowledge, I guess, that I've seen that. Uh, My thing is my only promise and my only, you know, point that I've ever wanted to deliver with the show, and this is like year six, year seven of the show at this point, but, like, the only thing I've ever wanted to do is just, like, be true and honest to the idea that I'm a fan of this team and I'm going to try to see as much of the team as possible, talk to as many people around it, try to ask the right questions, try to relay that in a way that doesn't just completely reveal and critic- like cripple my relationships with people um, and just try to be as honest about it as possible um, and as honest about sort of how I feel with it as possible. And, like, you know, if that's if that's not enough for, for some people or, like, if, it's, if I'm not if I'm failing on that, like, please let me know. 
Um, but yeah, that's just where I'm at. But I do see that and I do like, I, I don't know what else to respond to it. I also feel honestly, genuinely sometimes that the way that I get characterized doesn't really feel in line with what, how I feel about what I said or even what I think I said. But ultimately, at the same time, that's supposed uh, for other people to interpret as well. But in any case, whether you listened to it, whether you liked it, whether you, whether you uh, didn't like it, I appreciate everyone following it. It's, uh, it's, it's been great to do this thing. And we got a short break. No Raptors Daily Show from now until January 2nd uh, when we return. Um, but there will continue to be reaction podcasts after games. So I will be covering the games. And we'll do a banter pod because, like, honestly, let's just have some fun and just talk about something else other than, like, you know, what went wrong here, what went wrong here, because that's, I mean, we all know what's gone wrong, right? We know this thing needs to change. We know that it's on the front office, it's on the coaches, it's on the players, whatever. At a certain point, we can also try to talk about something else, or at least I hope there is at least some audience for that as well. So thanks everyone for listening. Please continue to rate, review, subscribe. Again, thanks for everyone for wishing me a happy birthday. And uh, yeah, I'll be back um, when the Raptors play next in the 27th. <laughs>